Hello, my beautiful bins, and welcome to episode 100. I cannot believe, I cannot believe it's been 100 episodes and what has happened in that time of the last 100 episodes since I think it was March 16th last year, 2020. It has been such a wild ride. It's been an absolutely incredible journey. So I thought what I would do is I would base this podcast around the first ever episode, which was Taking a Leap of Faith. And I want to add to it. It's almost like a part two of Taking a Leap of Faith and a bit of a summary of what's happened over the last hundred episodes. It's all of the good things because the first ever episode, if you guys have already listened to it, if you've been long-time listeners or if you're new and maybe you have or have not listened to it, it's all about you know, taking that leap of faith, taking the plunge, starting something new, daring to do that thing that you want to do. And I feel that in a way, the first episode that I recorded was almost talking about what I was doing with the podcast, with everything else I had done. So it kind of was like, I'm talking about taking a leap of faith while I am taking this leap of faith and starting the podcast and and doing all of that. So for those of you that don't know the story, when I started the podcast in March 2020, I probably decided to do the podcast just a a couple of weeks beforehand, maybe three weeks prior, I was like, I'm doing a fucking podcast. And I only decided on the name maybe two weeks prior, and it was actually my my cousin Lorena, who came up with the name because we were throwing ideas around. I'm like, maybe the word mindset or mind or something like that or do you mind? And like, Anyway, so she came up with do you fucking mind, loved it, locked it in and then I did the artwork for the podcast. I did it on like all these different apps where I took a a selfie and literally it took me like about an hour to put that artwork together, change the colours and stuff in like Canva. And so the artwork was done. We had the name and then I got the I, I started on Buzzsprout, which is like a hosting platform. Now I'm on Acast because Acast are my agents, but I started on this Buzzsprout and I bought this one hundred dollar mic and I was like, okay, when the mic arrives in the mail, I am starting this thing. And it arrived I think a week later. So all of that was done in probably like a three week period. And then I just planned roughly the podcast. I did my dot points, plugged in this USB hundred dollar mic into my computer and switched on GarageBand and there I went. I just went ahead and recorded that first ever episode and I literally was like, oh, should I re-record that? Like I feel like it wasn't perfect. I feel like – and I was like, you literally just said in that podcast that you're thinking about re-recording that you have to start before you're ready. You've just got to throw it out there. It can't be perfect because you haven't done it before. So I thought, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to upload it, put it out there and from then – It has been an absolute whirlwind and I'll do a bit of a wrap up at the end of the episode, but it's been incredible. And that $100 mic, love you so much, um, has been retired. And now shout out to Rode. I am now using their stunning Rodecaster Pro. So, you know, leaps and bounds. We've gone leaps and bounds from day one, but I still, look, I still have that $100 mic. It is the trusty mic and I can take it traveling with me. So, you know, not all is lost. Love you so much. I can see you sitting there on the shelf. Thank you for the good times. Anyway, so what I want to do first is very quickly summarize the key points of the first ever episode that I did because I listened to it recently just to be like, How do I feel about those key points? How much have I evolved? Do I agree? And thrilled that my old self agrees with my new self. I agree with all those key points that I spoke about, about taking a leap of faith. So I did want to summarize that. But then, of course, I want to add to it as this is a part two. I want you to, you know, reiterate the old information, but then get some new information to add to that. I know a lot of you have gone back and listened to that episode several times when you've been like geeing yourself up to take a leap of faith. So hopefully you can add this episode 
to your list of things where you need to be G'd up to take that leap of faith to, you know, go into the unknown and do something spectacular with your life. Okay, let's summarize the eight points that I gave you guys in the first episode. I'm not going to bang on about them if you want to hear it in detail. Of course, feel free to go back to the first ever episode. Also, I speak, I'm a lot calmer and I speak a lot slower. So obviously, I have just gotten way more excited and dramatic over the times of the last hundred episodes. So yeah, apologize if I speak too fast, but you do have that little button that can slow it down. But I think you guys are all used to it. I even had someone say to me, it was so funny, when they downloaded my audio book and they were like, wow, I had to speed it up because you speak so slow in the audio book. And I agree. I couldn't agree more when I was doing it. The guy's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Because you've got someone that's like telling you how to, you know, what pace you're going at or if you need to emphasize something or like, it's actually quite good to have that person there when I was recording the book. But he was like, you are like lightning fast. You need to slow it right down because, and it's true. Unlike a book that you read, here's me going on a tangent. Unlike a book that you read um, where you can be like, oh, what was it? And flick one page back and you know exactly what you wanted to reread. When you're listening to an audio book, you want to go back, maybe flick back 15 or 10 seconds and kind of be at that point. If I'm racing past, you don't give people time to process it the way they would when they're reading. That's the theory behind it. So I slowed it right back and it felt so weird. I felt like an alien talking. So yeah, obviously I do speak very fast, but you guys get me. My beans get me. You all understand. Anyway, let's do it. Let's talk about the eight points of episode number one. First, number one, get comfortable with being alone. This one was a big one and I've spoken about this throughout the hundred episodes as well. Your relationship with yourself. Are you okay being alone with yourself and being alone with your own thoughts? If you are not okay, then you're less likely to take that leap of faith because when the chips are down, when times are tough, when things don't go well for you, you might be terrified to sit with your own thoughts. But at the end of the day, you are the one that has to go to bed with yourself every single night. You're the one that, that, you know, is there 24 seven. So if you can't be okay being alone, if you can't have your back when things don't go well, then of course you're going to be more terrified to take that leap of faith. You can't be relying on other people to pick yourself up when things are down. You've got to be prepared to, you know, take the brunt of that and be okay being alone. And I'm not saying you've got to be someone that's like, right, we're back on it, where everything's great, I'm amazing. I'm not talking about toxic positivity here. I'm talking about learning to sit with yourself and saying, I'm good enough, I'm fine. I can, I, I, I'm not where I want to be, but I can get there. And where I am right now doesn't make me less of a person. You want to get to that point. Number two, be okay with losing especially money. Okay. You have to understand like this is where budgets come in and, and I don't want you to be so strict on a budget, but you need some sort of awareness of what you're prepared to lose because you can't have this like cushion around you at all times because that's what's going to prevent you from extending outside your comfort zone, that like bubble that you live in, which is the comfort zone. And to get to all the things that you really want is likely outside of that comfort zone. So if you're thinking, yeah, I really want to do that, but I don't want to like, I don't want to um, lose any money. Like I refuse to lose these luxuries that I have in my life or, you know, be able to pay for this, you know, membership that I want to pay for. I refuse all that stuff. You know, if you're not willing to do that, then you're going to make your life harder. You have to be prepared to give up in order to gain. And money initially is a big one. Number three, 
know your priorities. And I broke them down into what my priorities are. The reason why it's important to know your priorities is when you look at the – sometimes you'll be so stressed about something. You could be having an argument with someone or something in the scheme of things is small that's happened, but in that moment you're so focused on that thing that it ends up being the biggest thing in the world. It could be a workplace drama that it feels like your life is over. It could be, you know, you're, you're really trying to get this role or this job or uh, and you're auditioning for something or you're, you're in sports and you're focusing so much on that outcome that it ends up t- – taking over your life and you end up being a little bit dramatic thinking this one aspect of my life is now so important that everything else goes down the drain. You don't want to do that. This is where you need to zoom out and look at all your priorities, your true priorities in life. And for me, they are my relationships, like the real solid relationships, my inner circle. I'm talking about my family my so like my obviously parents sister cousins aunties uncles like whoever you're close with in your family them obviously if they're they're shit duds then no your best friends and of course your romantic relationship you know that is the relationships that that matter that's a priority after that we're talking health your own health do you have health are you working on your health is that something that you could always come back to and feel grounded and good about and then the, the last one is your resourcefulness and your intelligence and your ability to always add to that, okay? Those have to be your priorities at all time. Your health, your relationships, and your resourcefulness and your ability to continue to grow and learn and become more and more intelligent in whatever field you choose to be. If you're always tapping into those three things, no matter what drama is going on in your life, you can always zoom out and be like, I've still got all this. Let's, let's put everything back into perspective. It's fine, okay? Number four become unattached to physical objects. So unless something brings you so much joy or is sentimental and reminds you of somebody that you adore, like I mentioned that I've got a few pieces of jewelry from my grandparents that mean the world to me. Apart from that, start getting rid of possessions that you don't use, you don't love, and that don't serve you. Get rid of those things. Like clutter, physical clutter equals clutter in your head. A hundred percent. And I believe that so much. And I think most of us will agree that when you do a deep clean of your home and you put everything away and everything's tidy and you've taken all the rubbish out, you actually feel calmer in the mind. When you see order, you have order in your mind. So you need to do that because it's going to help you make decisions. It's going to help you be more relaxed and calm. Okay. Get rid of shit that doesn't serve you. If you're holding on to possessions that your ex gave you, that makes you feel shit every time you see it throw it in the bin or donate it or whatever. Get rid, okay? Even if it's something nice. If it's something nice, give it away. Don't keep it. Number five, have a strategy. And when I talk about having a strategy, you want to have like a loose strategy. You don't want to be so, you know, this idea of perfectionism is really just like an avoidance mechanism. It's like fear-based. But this strategy, it's kind of like have an idea of what is the total amount that I'm willing to lose in order to do this. So say you're going to move cities, right? And you think, okay, I'm going to give myself, I've saved up $3,000 or $10,000 or however much you've saved up. I'm going to this place and I've got roughly, you know, like for me, when I moved to Sydney, I had enough to live for, look, I can't remember now. I think it was like maybe a month-ish. And so I was like, I need to get a job in this month. If you don't achieve what you want to achieve in that time frame with what your budget allows, then you're like, okay, I'm going to have to go back or I'm going to have to take a job that's different to what I thought I was going to be working in or whatever. So have these kind of this, these strategies in place. Don't think, I'm taking a leap of faith. I'm going to fucking go. I've not budgeted. Fuck you all. Goodbye. 
that's not ideal because then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Have some sort of a budget, have some sort of like a preparation. I don't necessarily like you can call it a safety blanket, but it's not even that. It's you prepping for the future. It's like when you meal prep or it's like when you when you schedule something into your diary, that's you prepping. The same as whether you need to do a budget or it might not be budget. It might be something completely different. Like you need to um, refresh your knowledge in something before you leap into something else, whatever that is. Number six was have a chase change mentality and always remind yourself that nothing is permanent. So that's kind of based around the idea that when always tell yourself, always, nothing is permanent, okay? If things are really good, it's great to remind yourself that nothing is permanent because then you think, okay, if this great situation that's happening right now isn't permanent, what can I do to really be present and enjoy it or to milk it even further so I can maximize this experience? You know, if you're, for example, if you're overseas and you're only going to be there for a month and someone invites you to go somewhere and you're like, "Mm, I could, but I'm a little bit shy, this and that, this is where you max, you think nothing's permanent. I'm going to go there. I can easily leave if I don't like it, but I'm just going to fucking go because this, what I'm experiencing right now, this trip's going to be over. In 10 years' time, I'm going to look back and think, wow, I could have milked that so much more. It could be a job that you're in. It could be a relationship that you're in. No matter what it is, if it's good, reminding yourself that it's not permanent will help you experience it and relish it and be more present, okay? And when I say nothing's permanent, it doesn't mean that, okay, that's going to end and then you're fucked but it might evolve into something different. You still, you likely still be very happy, but that that era of your life, that time, moves on to another time. Like you hear about parents who are like, "Wow, like it's kids grow so fast, and you know when they're so young, and then before you know it, they're, they're teenagers. And where did that time go? So it's not that something bad has happened. You've, you know, you're still a happy family. You all love each other, but they've just grown up. So it's that idea of like, if you keep reminding yourself when your children are young or when you're in the honeymoon stages of a relationship or whatever, that nothing is permanent, then hopefully you're going to be more present with your family, with the people that you love. And you think, let's fucking milk this because who knows how long this era is going to go for. Okay. Number seven is start before you are ready. This is such a crucial one. And of course, go back to the first episode to hear me go into it in depth. But if you haven't done something yet, how can you actually be completely ready? You're never going to be truly ready. You're just kidding yourself. And so then you're always trying to prep and be ready, but you're never feeling ready. Fair enough, because you haven't done it. So you just have to start. You're never going to feel ready. And I feel like that's the case in most things in life. I feel like most people I've spoken to that have even had children, even people that have planned and planned and prepped and tried and tried and they've been so in the zone to have this child, then by the time the child's about to be born, they're like, oh, I feel so unprepared. It's just life because that might be their first child and they haven't done it before. So don't think that you have to be ready in order to embark. Put that rusty piece of work out there and just start to mold it as you go along. Edit and fix it, edit and fix it. I love that I can look back on my first episode and be like, that is rusty as fuck. And I'm, you know, like it's a bit clunky. It's still good. I'm still happy with the content that I put out, but I'm much happier with the content that I'm putting out now. I feel I flow better. I feel, I just personally feel that I'm putting out better content now. Everyone's got their own opinion on that, but yeah, I definitely wasn't ready when I launched. So don't put the pressure on yourself to be ready. Just think, how could I actually be ready if I have not yet tried this? So I might as well just launch now and see how I go. Now, 
Last one, number eight is become a yes person. When a door opens, just walk through it. When an opportunity is there, take it. Obviously, if you're like, fuck that, I would hate to be doing that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the whole idea of like, oh, that could, oh, that could be fun. Should I do it? Do it, do it. Don't hesitate. I've got all these episodes on decision-making and making quick decisions and making big decisions and small, all of that. Go back and listen to them. Go back and listen to the first episode. But this idea of when the opportunity is there, don't hesitate, take it. You can always, once you're there, you can always reframe and think, wow, this is not working for me. But thrilled that I did it because now I know. Better to know and then get rid than be in a position of like, what if, what if, what if, what if, regret, 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 I never took that opportunity, okay? So that is a summary of the key points of episode number one, taking a leap of faith. And then I thought I'd add some to it. There's definitely more to add to it and I've got another seven to add to it. It would have been good if it was eight, that would make it nice and even, but no, it's seven. Um, Okay. Okay, so here we go, my seven points, my additional seven points to taking a leap of faith. Number one, tie your identity to less things. Do less. Identify with less. When you tie your identity, like your sense of self, who you are, with too many things, it could actually be holding you back from taking a leap of faith. It could be holding you back from just taking the plunge and doing that thing that you want to do, okay? Don't tie yourself to these dead weights of of specific belief systems or traditions that don't actually serve you and that you don't actually believe in. You know, sometimes you might think, oh, I've just always done it this way. Oh, I'm a creature of habit. That idea of telling yourself that you're a creature of habit, you might be in some things, but if you always tell yourself that, are you limiting yourself to genuinely believe that about you and then you think, Mm, getting out of my my comfort zone is just so like unimaginable. Or let's better I better not, you know. Or maybe you're thinking, oh well, my family's always done it this way. So then automatically you think, okay, well now you have to do it. No, you don't have to. You can veer off and do something differently while still respecting how your family has done something. Or you might think, oh, it's all I know. So if that's all you know, if you keep telling yourself, well, that's all I know. Why can't you just be hungry to keep learning new things and putting yourself out there and being the one that knows the least in the group about that topic? It's fine. But if you keep identifying yourself with a thought or a belief or a particular group of people and that's it and you don't leave the bubble, then you are cock blocking yourself from taking the leap. I can tell you right now, identify with less. Limit, limit what you link your sense of self to. Keep it quite limited. It shouldn't be much. You want to be adaptable always. And there should just be a handful of things that are true to your core. The rest ebbs and flows into your life, okay? You should be open to accepting new beliefs if they serve you. And if they don't, stick to your original belief. But this idea of being open to understanding, learning, seeking to understand, that's going to make you a lot more kind of flexible with your mind and with your life circumstances. People that are set in stone, nah, this is not, nah, nah, don't challenge me, this is what I believe in, or no, fuck, I'm a creature of habit, don't don't get me out of my routine. Those people, fucking fat chance of taking the leap of faith, then nothing's going to change for them. So just watch what you're identifying with and can you cull it and can you just be a bit more free, freedom, do less, less identifying. Number two, what... Ask yourself, when you're about to do something, instead of thinking, oh, this is going to impact me, this is going to do, ask yourself, what benefit do I bring to this situation? Get clear on what you can bring to the table. Don't look at what you can get. Look at what you have to offer. And that puts you in a place of empowerment. So say it's a job, 
that you're going for. Instead of thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's, I'm stressed. Are they going to accept me? Are they not? Are they this? Just say, I can bring this to the table. I've got the skills. I'm an asset for these reasons. Yes, I'm going to gain from them. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going over to this job. It should be a, an even exchange. Or you could think, what am I adding to this relationship? Or if you're leaving a relationship, what am I adding to my future self? to my relationship with my future self. You always have to look at what are you giving to either a job, a location, a situation, a person or yourself, okay? That's where you feel more empowered. You think, I've got so much to give and this is what I have to give and this is why I'm doing it, okay? Number three, get rid of anchors. Cut the dead weight, okay? So unless this thing, person, job, whatever, is currently serving your life, you need to cut the dead weight. We're talking possessions, like I said before, jobs, habits, relationships, places, people, anything that doesn't serve you. And this is where you want to pull out a piece of paper or type it out on your computer and think, does this serve me? Let's say you're thinking, I want to move cities. I really want to move cities. But then you're thinking, oh, this kind of comes down to your identity being tied somewhere. You might be tied to the identity that no one in my family moves away from the city. Like that's outrageous. So you're already tied to that thought of I could never leave my family despite the fact that you're a fucking adult, you're an individual, an independent individual. And you could, but you're just tied to the belief that because no one else has done it in your family, you can't. So number one, you've got that tying you down. And then you've got this idea that, yeah, but why would I leave this city if I've got everything here or whatever? There's another anchor that you need to get rid of. Just because it's a city that's got all these things, the next city you move to likely has all those things and maybe new experiences. So it's got more to offer you. So that's what I mean about identifying what these anchors are. And I'm not saying that they're negative. I'm saying that things that are holding you in the place that you're in, identify them and think, why is this holding me back? Is it because it's a tradition? Is it because I feel too comfortable? And could I get that or more in the next location? And often the answer is yes. Number four, you've got to start asking yourself, what would it take for me to dot, 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 okay? Because sometimes it's so easy for you to be like, oh, I really want to do this one day or soon I'm going to quit my job or soon I'm going to whatever. You've got to ask, or I'm going to leave this relationship. But you've got to ask yourself, what will it take for me to leave this situation or what would it take for me to make the decision and go? There has to be markers in your life that are the defining moment that think, okay, if this happens, I'm going. If this thing happens, I'm going to do it, okay? If for you, you realize that there's no defining thing that needs to occur, then what is stopping you from taking action now? Because if you say, oh, look, maybe in the next couple of months, I'll do this. What's different in the next couple of months to what you're doing now? Maybe there is something different. Maybe you're currently studying and that's going to come to an end and then your lifestyle is going to be more relaxed after those next few months and then you think, okay, now I'm really going to know what my life is like here without studying, I'm more relaxed and then maybe I'll want to stay. So that's, that's a fair reason to then prolong your decision making. But if nothing is really changing between now and then, why are you waiting? You're never going to have that. What will it take for me to change? And if, for example, let's say, Let's say someone's offered you a job and then another place has offered you a job and you're in limbo in between two things. You've got to say, what would it take 
for me to leave this job that I'm at to go somewhere else? Is it some sort of opportunity? Is it uh, opportunity for growth? Is it a monetary thing? Is it what, – what is it? If you don't have it in place and something locked in that's going to help your growth in the future and these like markers for you to be like, I need to achieve this in order to get this, then you're going to be kind of floating around aimlessly like a jellyfish through all these you know, like big decisions and you end up not making your mind up. I remember when I was in LA and my friend Brendan was doing a trip through the States and we met up in LA and I was talking to him and I was thinking, oh, look, I might stay here. I might go back. I might. And he says, okay, but what would it take to make you stay? And what would it take to make you go back? And I never had considered that. And I was like, fuck, that's such a good point. Because how the fuck am I going to make up my mind unless I know what defining things have to occur for me to make this decision? What's going to keep me here and stop me from going back or the other way around? So then I started thinking long and hard about it. I was like, well, I, am I going to do my master's? Am I going to what? So I had all these decisions to be made, but it made me start to really consider things in real time, in real world, not this, oh, that's a nice idea. So keep asking yourself those questions. Every time you're, you're thinking of an idea, think, well, me talking about it is, that's all well and good and fun, but I'm achieving fuck all. So why am I not doing it now and why am I waiting? And if I'm waiting, how is that benefiting me? Okay. Number, number five, give yourself a deadline. Everybody works better on a deadline. Everybody. Okay. It's this idea of even procrastinators get it done when there's a deadline. If you don't have a deadline, you could keep putting this off forever. Okay. So give yourself some sort of a line in the sand, mark that point. And I do have a podcast where it talks about making decisions irreversible and all of that. So that's really good to go back to the decision-making podcasts because that helps you. I talk a lot about making you know, like investing in your future. So it makes you harder to turn back. And that's a good thing. Okay. You almost, when you're making a big decision, you want to limit your choices to get out of it. So it encourages you to go there. And when you're there, you're more encouraged to stay instead of looking back being like, Oh, the grass, was, the grass was greener on the other side. No, you want to, for example, start investing money in that future decision now. So then you're less likely to back out of the idea. Cause you're like, well, I've invested something in it or start investing time or, you know, pay for that course or enroll in this thing or buy the ticket. You know, that's what I mean about giving yourself a deadline. If you're planning to go overseas, buy the ticket, even if that ticket is in 10 months time, who cares? But it's there and the date is looming and you start getting shit together. I can tell you right now, you give yourself that deadline and you do it. Number six, get out of your own way. Okay, now what does this mean? You hear it all the time. I feel I need to do a whole episode on getting out of your own way because it's a fucking good one. But basically it means stop repeating the behaviors that you know are getting you nowhere. Restrictive behaviors, restrictive thoughts, things that you say or do again and again. Understand what it is that's blocking you. For example, some pe- okay, let's let's look at dating apps for example. Some people I I've got friends that use dating apps and they are lords at the dating app. They absolutely nail it. They go on amazing dates, they have a really good time. They're not too attached to the outcome, so if things don't go great, it doesn't really matter. Next, and they have a lot of fun, okay? So for them, it's great. They love it. There's no negativity around it. It's a good time. Then I've got friends that are like, I really want to find a partner and I'm going to go on the dating apps. They go on it. They hate it. They go on a few dates. It's awful. It really just doesn't serve them. So then they're like, fuck the apps. I'm never going on the apps again. They get off the apps. 
And then they sit there and they think, oh, well, now I really want to partner. I'm getting back on the apps. That is the perfect example of getting out of your own way. Eliminate the apps as an option for good out of your life. If you've always got this backup option of going on the apps, when you know it gives you anxiety, you know it makes you feel like shit, get rid of it because staying in that zone of, of oh, I'm doing the fucking dating apps, but I fucking hate it and it's a fucking shit. What makes you think that thinks th- something's going to turn around for you and you're going to start enjoying it? Do you think that with that... With those emotions that you're feeling when you're on the app, resenting it, hating it, hating that you have to do this in order to find someone, do you think the likelihood of you having this really awesome encounter and you bouncing off people in a really natural, fun way is going to happen? No, because like attracts like. So you're going to be annoyed. You're going to seek out things that annoy you in people. You're going to meet up with people that you're like, oh God, I don't even have to go on this date. I'm not even that excited. It's not going to go well most of the time if you're approaching it from this angle. And if dating apps make you feel that way, stop the dating apps. Get off them altogether and make the next three months me time. It's going to be all about me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to think about meeting someone. I'm open to it but that's not where my focus is. The apps are a thing of the past, okay? Obviously, if you love them, then that doesn't apply to you. Another thing could be, you know, say you you always say, um, I just wish I could have some really healthy relationships. Every relationship I have is, is drama. It's so much drama. But then you yourself engage in gossip all the time. That's you getting in your way. You're cock blocking yourself from entering relationships that have no drama because you are a part of the drama. That's what I mean about getting out of your own way. The same goes for if you, if you want to take a leap of faith, but then someone else talks to you about taking a leap of faith as well. And you then think, mm, is that a good idea? Oh, did you know that um, the borders are probably going to close? Or, oh, really? Because the jobs are like, it's really hard to get a job now. If you're that kind of person that that cuts someone else's idea down, you're deep down cutting your own ideas down. You're restricting, limiting, limiting. So every time you look at your behavior, how conducive is that to the new life that you want to be living? How is it restrictive or is it expansive? Am I restricting? Am I restricting with thoughts, with my behaviors? Am I going back to old patterns, to my old ways and expecting new outcomes or am I not? That is what I mean about getting out of your way. New behaviors for new experiences. Anything other than that, you're just going to relive history again and again and hate it while you're doing it. And then the last example for that would be if you think, oh, but I just hate being alone. I hate being alone. I don't like it. You're not giving yourself the opportunity to even try it. Go and live alone for six months and milk it. See, what can I do that I'm alone? I can style this place how I want to style it or I can, you know, I can live on my own time. I don't have to, you know, obviously if you have the financial resources to do so, but a lot of people do have the financial resources to do it and they're just so terrified because they believe that in order to be happy, they have to rely on other people and you stay in this trap. You've trapped yourself to think, I can only be happy when I've got somebody, my main person, whether it's a friend or whether it's a partner. And then you feel let down all the time. That is you doing that to yourself because you can't control what other people do. So if you always say, I need someone there all the time, you're going to cock block yourself. You're going to get in the way. So pay attention to your languages, pay attention to what you're avoiding and ask yourself, is the thing that I'm avoiding actually not that bad? And the reason I'm avoiding it is because of all these narratives that I've created for myself and I'm refusing to let go of those narratives out of pride or out of feeling too too attached to playing the victim all the time. Ask yourself those questions. They're hard questions, but if you can be really honest and if you can pull your 
pull yourself up on that. You're going to grow so rapidly and in a, t- in a time frame of like three to six months, you can turn around and be like, whoa, I'm a different person. I'm open to so many things. I've grown so much and now the opportunities around me, are, they're everywhere. They're fucking everywhere. Whereas in the past, I was like, this person abandoned me. I'm now the victim. I don't want to be alone. I'm clutching at this. I'm clutching at that. Things can change very quickly for you, but you need to be accountable and you need to be able to pull yourself up on shit all the time. And it's quite amazing what you can reap when you put in the work. And last one, number seven, are you prepared for any outcome? Okay, so this kind of comes down to almost any decision that you're going to make. When you, for example, let's say that you want to text someone and you've been kind of back and forth, you really want to go on a date with them and you're not sure how they're going to respond and you've already double texted and they haven't replied and then you think, okay, maybe I'll text them one more time and they will reply this time. Are you prepared for any outcome? Are you prepared for a total rejection? Are you prepared for no answer whatsoever? And then, of course, you are prepared for them to say, yes, I'd love to go on the date. Okay, so you've always got to look at what are all the possible outcomes or the main possible outcomes that I can think of And am I prepared for any outcome? Because once you can think, yep, I can prep myself for any outcome. I can prepare myself to be rejected. Then you're more likely to just do it. Let's say you want to take a job, but you don't really know what that job is going to be. But the job represents potentially way more opportunity. But it also represents the unknown. So again, ask yourself, am I prepared for the outcome of me taking the job, leaving a comfortable job and taking this job with way more opportunity and then finding out later down the track that it doesn't serve me? Am I prepared for that? Because I could prepare myself for it. Maybe I could think, okay, I don't love it, but it's a better job than the one that I had. And maybe it would be a great stepping stone because I've had this job to another job, or maybe it's given me money that I can then save to then do something else. So there's always going to be something you can get out of an outcome that even you don't love. You might even find yourself in a position where you are not prepared for one of the outcomes. And that's not a bad thing either. You might think, okay, let's actually look at this properly. Am I actually prepared for the worst case scenario? And that might make you realize, wait a minute, I'm not prepared for that to happen. I don't want to lose what I have. I don't want to lose this person that I'm dating. So I'm going to change my behaviors or change the dynamic of it so I don't lose them. So going off that analogy, there are some partners that think that their partner is always going to be there for them. They're a doormat. They're always going to be there for them. They don't have to worry about losing that person. So it's that kind of relationship where they dump them, get back together, dump them, get back together. Oh, I just need me time, dump, go and do whatever. But they never think of the outcome of what if this person was to leave me? Would I be able to handle that? Would I be so flippant in this relationship? Would I just like be so dismissive of them because I think that they're always there and I'm just not grateful for that? Because... Often these people never imagine the alternative that their partner doesn't want to be with them. And it isn't until the other person has finally had enough, turned around and moved on. And then when this person's like, okay, I'm ready to have you back. Hello, I want you back. And the partner's like, I'm done. I don't want you back. And then all of a sudden, this person who was originally dumping, dumping, I don't care, they're going above and beyond all these romantic gestures. I want you back because they now can't fathom. They never considered what the outcome would be if they didn't actually have you. In their head, they always thought, oh no, but I know the outcome. You're there if I want you. You're there if I want you. You're just this person on the side that I can always access. When they're actually put in a position where they no longer have access to that person, that person is done with their bullshit and they genuinely have gotten over them and moved on. That person is now devastated and so lost and so upset. Give me another chance. Give me this, give me that. Because they didn't prepare for that outcome. 
Okay. So when you're thinking about treating someone like as if they're disposable, ask yourself, are they disposable? Am I actually prepared to lose this person? Am I treating them this way because I've never really factored that person's feelings into it? And I think, oh, they're always there on the side. It's fine. You know, because if you're prepared for that outcome, then great, leave them. It's fine. But People aren't always going to come crawling back to other people. People are going to leave. And are you prepared to have that loss with, without, with knowing that you didn't work for it and you didn't try and you didn't show that person that you cared for them? So that's another example of being prepared for every outcome. And if you're prepared for every outcome, then you're more likely to be able to just take that leap of faith and be like, you know what? I'm prepared for that to happen and I'm good with it. I'm fine. I can move on. I can still grow. I'll be a better person. Cool. Cool. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode, the hundredth episode, um, the you know the cent- centenary, centennial. Not quite sure what which word I'm looking for, but yeah, you know what I mean. The hundredth fucking episode. For, there are some of you guys that have listened to all one hundred episodes, and some of those episodes you've listened to multiple times. Thank you to everyone. Thank you if you are listening to this episode for the first time. Thank you if you are someone that's been with me from day one and has gone through every episode. They've gone through the journey with me. Thank you to everyone in this community. In the last one hundred episodes, to kind of summarize, so much has happened. I have obviously started on a whim. Three weeks, I made the decision and then I started it. Literally, like I said, I put that artwork together in two seconds. It's the artwork that I still use now. I had that cheap microphone, which we love. We love him. Let's call him Barry. He was great. We, you know, I did all of that. And then in this time frame, from that date to where, where we are now, I quit my full-time job to do podcasting full-time. I finished my master's degree and How's the timing for this? This is fucking amazing. When this episode goes live, when this 100th episode goes live, when most of you will be listening to it, I am going to be graduating from my master's. I'm going to be crossing the fucking stage and I'm going to be getting my degree. And I'll be thinking of my fucking beans while I'm doing that. And I just feel that like it's perfect timing. It's like quite divine timing that all this has happened and the 100th episode gets released on the day that I graduate. I think that's quite amazing and yeah really special to look at because when I graduate from that degree I think that one of the reasons why I enjoy so much what I learned is because I could pass on the knowledge from so much that I learned in that degree to you guys like the podcast for me is so heavily intertwined to my studies and what I did and my two passions so it's really meaningful and that's like such cool timing um I've also had amazing guests on the podcast I've had my sister I've had my best friends I've had a genomics expert on the podcast I've done I couldn't tell you how many brain facts I've spoken about cells, I've spoken about pharmacology, biology, anatomy, behavioral psychology, all that kind of stuff. Um, We've created this incredible community of beans in such a short amount of time. Like this community is, I think it's the best community that exists out there. Like we have each other's back. We help each other in that Facebook group where people have, you know, dilemmas or big decisions to make or dramas or they've been heartbroken. And the amount of you guys that are just there for each other and give advice and offer to help and offer to meet up and say, I just moved to this city. Who wants to meet up? Yes, I want to meet up. Like it's just such an amazing community and I'd be hard pressed to find a better one to be honest we're just we're the past um and my podcast has reached 
So many countries around the globe, including Uruguay, South Korea, Uzbekistan, Greenland, Jamaica, like so many more. It's just been incredible. It's reached number one several times in my category in Australia and in New Zealand. It's gotten into the top five category in my category in Canada, in the US, in the UK, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. And I honestly feel forever grateful to each and every one of you guys that has shared the podcast, told a friend, a relative, their colleagues about the podcast, spread the word. It is all word of mouth that's created this community and created the growth of the podcast. And honestly, I just can't believe that that one episode, which was about taking a leap of faith, which was also me taking a leap of faith, doing what what I thought would be a way of sharing what I want to share. It was just a passion project for me. I didn't realize what it would turn into. And it's just really cool that that exact thing was almost the perfect example to show what happens when you go all in, when you do something that you love without being too attached to the outcome, but because you're loving it and what that can turn into. And I just could not have done it without you guys, without my beautiful Bean Gang. It's just been such an amazing ride. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen over the next 100 episodes. I'm planning to take so many more leaps of faith, so many more risky decisions that I've got in the pipeline that I'm wanting to make. I've oh, also released the card game, by the way, sold out of the card game. I've just ordered more and all to you guys. I've, I've written a fucking book thanks to the podcast. Like it's all because of this one thing where it's just, just kind of snowballed down. It's like this snowball that starts collecting and collecting and collecting as it rolls down the hill when you just take that path of least resistance. You follow what you love and you just keep saying yes, 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 and things just start unfolding. So this to me is like the best example of that happening because I've tried so many things in my 20s. I'm talking like – a lot of fucking things in my all of my 20s was trial error or trial reroute or trial no that didn't work out go back and there were some things that I did where I did so well in or I found my strength in so many things but then wanted to move on to something else and it's this constant you're always evolving so don't ever feel too stuck even if you're good at something if you want to evolve evolve get you know become the the amateur at something again and then get good at it that's what life is all about and i feel like this kind of podcast is a bit of an example of that happening so can't wait to share all the new things that are going to happen over the next 100 episodes a massive thank you to all of you guys i adore you i actually feel like i know you we're all on the same wavelength it's amazing and thank you as always, for tuning into this episode. Hopefully, if you enjoyed this, you can share this episode with one of your friends, family, keep sharing it. I love it when you tag me on Instagram on it. Join the Facebook community if you haven't already. Do you fucking mind um, with Alexis Fernandez. And I will speak to you on episode 101. And remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke! For the hundredth time, danke!